You're listening to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you conversations for the health of all things. In these special episodes, I am joined by guests on the show to explore how the osteopathic concept presents in their lives and learn about their personal and professional stories. Ranging from osteopathic physicians to those familiar with osteopathic treatment to those associated with osteopathic medicine in a variety of settings, these conversations provide new perspective on lighting the way for the path to best health. Please note that while I am a physician and may interview other physicians, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey, back with an episode of Conversations for the Health of All Things. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Dega Fungad. She is a board-certified internal medicine physician practicing aesthetic medicine in the Northern Virginia area. She helps women preserve their natural beauty without surgery. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. We always like to get started to hear about your story into medicine. Tell us how that came about. Well, I, um, as a child, I was pretty sick. I had asthma and um, I grew up in Cameroon, which is in West Africa. And so because I had a lot of um, asthma attacks, I used to end up in the hospital pretty much most of most of the days of the month. So I just got really comfortable in the hospital setting. And that just kind of led me towards medicine because I loved how I was taken care of and I wanted to do the same for other people. And that's what led me to the career path that is medicine or life path, actually. Mm-hmm. And have you found through your training and practice that that has come to fruition? Have you felt like you've been able to lean into that, what you saw provided for you when you were sick? Yeah, absolutely. In different ways. I think that when I was going through my rotations, I found different ways that I could, you know, help people and be of service. Um, The difficulty or the challenge was finding what I was going to end up wanting to do permanently for a long period of time, because, you know, you could like something, but if, if it doesn't really align with what you want or like who you think you are, um, it may not work out. So I still had to, even after residency and completing my, um, in internal medicine, I still had to keep looking for that place that I wanted to be in. And I think that I found that in aesthetics, but I'm not sure yet. I'm still on that journey of finding, um, what makes me happy, but I've, I've learned in aesthetics that empowering women in medicine is really, um, really important to me. So I keep that as what I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. And I think it can be an ever evolving process, right? We don't have to ever stop somewhere. It might be a point that we pause and explore and see if that expands. Tell us more about aesthetic medicine and what that entails. So aesthetic medicine in in a nutshell is basically, like cosmetic dermatology and cosmetic gynecology. So we focus on, we we kind of eliminate all the mundane, boring, (laughs) cancer-related things that dermatologists might work on. And we just focus on the cosmetic side. So skin care, we do laser treatment, um, Botox fillers. Um, I do um, vaginal rejuvenation. um, So that's more cosmetic um, gynecology. So that's basically um, what that entails. Um, I also think that we're kind of pseudo psychiatrists because 
We also help a lot of women. Women come in with multitude of reasons and we're there to listen and also to just help them feel better. So that's another part of what we do. I think that's such an important piece to think about because we certainly hear body when we think aesthetic medicine. So that superficial presentation, but as you noted, there's so much more involved in an osteopathy. We look at the integration of body, mind, and spirit. So tell me more about how that comes up for women and how you help to support them. Yeah. So um, let me give an example of someone who's coming in and for example, for um, a vaginal rejuvenation procedure, you know, they've had multiple children. It's affecting their relationship. You know, it's affecting their body image and they want to do something to make them feel like they can improve that part of their life. And that part of their life is, is really important. You know, the relationship with your spouse, um, if, if that's not working out, then it's going to affect you. It's going to affect your relationships, going to affect you. Um, and in turn, it's going to affect how you take care of other people, your kids, your work. So um, just that one example, you know, you can see how important it is for the woman to, you know, take that step to do something for them that can then help everybody else. Um, and, you know, like I said, if it affects them in a, on a mental level significantly, like they just, they just feel like, you know, I have patients feel like they're a failure because they're not able to, you know, they don't enjoy, you know, the what they used to enjoy with their spouse anymore, or it's just not the same. And, you know, unfortunately, us women, we overanalyze things or we think things that are not really happening. So they'll be like, I think my husband is thinking this. And I'm like, did he say that? And she's like, well, I don't know, but that's what I think. And then you just kind of go into that cycle. So um, that definitely can affect them on not just on a mental level, but also physical and again, spiritual level as well. Mm -hmm. And so I hear that way in the conversation, have you found other ways to be effective? So you're providing this physical support and change for them with the treatments you're providing. And what have you found to be reliable or useful in the way that you engage with your patients to encourage them to address the mindset that's involved as well? So for me, what I decided, and actually this happened with coronavirus, I decided that I was going to limit how many patients I see and actually give each person uh, an allotted time frame. So you might be coming in for Botox, which could take 10 minutes, but everybody that comes in knows that they have a full 30 minutes. And so during the other time, it's the time to sit down and say, hey, what's going on with you? Um, and it's just a time for my patients to unwind. And all of them, they've just come to expect that from me. Um, I know my most of my patients, I know what's going on in their family life. Um, I always review their medical history just because I'm an internist and I'm interested in things like that. So giving them that time and that space where they can just kind of unwind, um, I feel like that's my service to them. And like, that's me giving back to them. And I think they really appreciate that. So that's mm -hmm. one thing that I'm doing different from, I think, most people who do aesthetics. Yeah. You know, that's really powerful and that you're bringing your background into it and, you know, taking that internist mindset and also just holding space to know that when someone's coming with these desires, there are other pieces at play and being willing and able to, to hold that space to them is really impressive. How have you found it's been building your own practice? It's been challenging. Um, I mean, you know, as a physician, uh, we know how to practice medicine. We're taught a certain way of thinking. And then you come into the business world, the entrepreneurial world, and it's a completely different ballgame. You know, you have to sort of um, 
close certain ways of thinking so that you can allow room for a new way of thinking if you want to have a business that's going to thrive or flourish, right? So that's been challenging trying to kind of, you know, have a a medical physician or a doctor hat on and then have a business owner hat on and just trying to switch between different parts of my brain. That's been challenging, but also quite enjoyable, I would say. Um, I think most people who are physicians are lifelong learners. So if you think of it as just another thing that you have to learn, then, you know, that can be quite rewarding as well. Mm-hmm. And when we look at some of the tenets, again, osteopathic medicine, structure and function and the relationship between them comes up quite often. As you've been building your business, what have you found to be some of those key structural components that have helped you to make a more functional business so you can see your patients in the way you want to? I think that the biggest thing for me was figuring out who I wanted to serve. Um, That was really important. I was not very clear on that in the beginning. And so that made things very difficult in terms of who was coming in and kind of feeling like I was being pulled in different directions. And another thing that I found that was really important as well was having systems in place in my practice. Um, And that's still a work in progress because things are constantly evolving, especially with coronavirus. Like I've had to make some changes, but having the systems in place also kind of, it kind of feels like a foundation or a backbone where if you're not there, you can still, you know, that things are still going to function properly. So I think those two things, knowing who you serve and having systems in place are really, really important um, for a medical practice or a business in general. Mm-hmm. That is so helpful. And deciding and honing in can be hard, especially when you're an internist, right? So that's usually a broad space and you see all patients for all kinds of reasons. And yes. when you're building your own practice and working on getting specific, you do have to shift away from that. What did you find was the hardest to let go when you were honing in on really serving a specific population of people? Um medicine actually um so actually when i started i was doing medicine um as a dpc physician uh, or direct primary care physician for those who don't know and then i was also doing aesthetics and so i was literally being pulled in two different directions um and once the virus hit and also i had a baby this year i had to let go of one (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, at least temporarily. So I decided to let go of medicine because it was just it was just more complicated in terms of if I was to grow um, a panel, then I would need to be on call, and I would it, the, the the requirements for me were just a lot more cumbersome compared to if I just focus on aesthetics, then it would work better for um, the work life balance that I wanted, especially with two young kids under two, and you know all of that. So I had mm-hmm. to. Let go of medicine, which in my head was very difficult because I trained in medicine and then I'm letting it go in some ways. Um, but it was what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. I hear some really beautiful points in there that can be so helpful, especially considering structure and function. And the first is that boundary, right? So you recognize like there's too much happening and it's really up to me to put that fence in place so I can keep it within something that's manageable. And when you did that, so when you did say, okay, I'm isolating to aesthetics, maybe pun intended in the time of quarantine now, what happens, right? There's that loss feeling. And then what, when you decided and made that choice? Yeah, I, I did feel that feeling of loss, um, but you gain more, right? Um, you gain clarity, you, you gain time. <laughs> um, and again, it's, it's really just thinking about what's important to 
you. One of the things I learned this year was really realizing that I was extremely important in in everything. Um, usually I worry about everybody else but myself. But once I put myself first, um, then I was able to create a lot of structure around, you know, making sure like, for example, I took a day off. So Mondays, today is my day off. I'm not working. And I decided I was going to build a business around working four days a week. Um, and as a result, I'm able to take my daughter swimming on Mondays. So that really making that decision helped me in so many different aspects of my life. Um, so yeah, it was a difficult choice, but, but it was the better choice for me, especially mm-hmm. with everything. Yes. Right. And that freedom on the other side of making that limitation, which oftentimes I think as physicians, especially we think are bad things, right? We're not, we're unlimited. We can do everything. But when we make that intentional boundary, we gain so much freedom on the other side. And we end up doing other things better, right? Mm -hmm. Because if we're stretched too thin, then we're not proficient in everything that we're doing. Something's going to, something's got to get. So Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, absolutely. The second thing I thought that was so profound that you shared in there was it was the best thing for me for right now, right? And so knowing you don't have to say no to medicine forever, you could if that worked out and was best for you. And what allowed you that space, right, to step into that for now perspective? Uh, again, I almost had a, I almost had a mental breakdown having a, a two-year-old and a newborn and and coronavirus and shutting down my practice and and there was just so many things that happened, especially like this is back in March. And, um, you know, I thought about it and I looked back and I asked myself when I initially started my practice, what was the reason why I wanted to go into this business in the first place? And the answer was I wanted to grow my practice with my children. So uh, I wanted to limit what I was doing in terms of growth to work around their schedule. So in my head, once they go to kindergarten, then I can kind of do more, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But until that happens, I can't do anything. And I needed to be okay with that. Um, Mm -hmm. And once I honed back into that initial goal, then it made my life easy. It also meant that I wasn't going to be making as much money as I wanted to. But you know, time and money. I take time with the kids over money any day. Mm-hmm. So, and there'll, there'll always be room for me to do that in the future once they get to where they need to be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yes. And that for now sentiment holds so much power, right? And so it could be mm-hmm. for now for a year. It could be for now for five years. It could be for now even for a month. But sometimes I think we get so caught up in having to make a decision forever that we don't make any. Yeah. And so giving yourself that gift and knowing what your priorities are is so helpful. Such good structure for function. And then the third thing you said was that you gave up medicine, but then you described how you see your patients. And I hope you're here and there, right? That how much medicine is still involved and perhaps this opportunity to shift how medicine even is practiced. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think if patients who are listening hear that, right, from the Northern Virginia area, everyone's going to be signing up even for the space, you know, in addition to the procedure. So what do you notice about that in giving up medicine and how you're able to see your patients? Do you feel that you're still practicing medicine effectively? Yeah, I would say I, I feel like I'm practicing better medicine, believe it or not. You know, um, I see patients coming for a multitude of reasons. Um, for example, we do laser hair removal. And so I get a lot of patients who have PCOS, for example, 
oh, I'll get patients who have conditions such as hydroadenitis superativa. Um, and so I still have to have these conversations about, you know, diet, insulin resistance, um, different things that I would normally talk to my patients about in medicine. And um, you, when I talk to them about it, I realize that their physicians typically don't have time to do that for them. So they're really appreciative of someone who, yes, I might be treating you for laser hair removal, but I understand the pathophysiology behind why this is happening. And I can explain to you why it's happening, the steps that you need to take, and just kind of remind them, you know, I'm, I'm not the typical physician. I'm more playful with my patients. So I'm just like, hey, listen, you got to do this. You got to do that. Um, and I always just try to remind them um, about what they need to do. And they really, really love that. So mm-hmm. for me, I feel like I'm not missing too much because I still get to um, explore their medical um, conditions and see how it ties into the reason why they're there. Um, especially with things like acne, for example, acne is you know, right now is terrible. I mean, it could just be stress. Mm-hmm. It could be the mask. It could be um, issues going on with their diet, you know, so many different things. So even though the fuel is, is close to cosmetic derm or cosmetic gyne, it's still part of medicine. And I still feel like I'm using that part of my education, my brain. So it doesn't feel like I'm missing too much. And now I'm also trying to find ways to do more educational videos because I find that my patients really like that. So that's something I'm going to be doing. So I don't lose that part of my brain. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I love that you said that, right? I feel like I'm practicing better medicine. And this has been such an invitation this year to get outside the box, right? And to reinvent how medicine can be delivered. And the way you describe it is really beautiful. And actually being able to support your colleagues as well, right? I do have the time. I'm going to make that task load easier. So the next time they're there for their med check, they have some awareness of what they could do to be contributing. That's really huge, really amazing. Let's talk a little bit about self-healing. So that's our third tenet that everyone has the capacity to be well. And you shared your story of your own experience in childhood. How have you personally noticed, experienced, witnessed the capacity you have for self-healing to be well, to get back to help? Uh, that has been a journey. Um, I, I would say that, you know, as, as a young adult, um, I, I mean, I took my medications, I knew what I needed to do to, uh, avoid getting sick. But once I became a physician, that kind of changed because the workload was pretty significant. Um, I was always stressed and, you know, stress is just one of those things that, um, can affect you, especially if you have asthma, for example. So I had to actually dig into more of a spiritual way of managing, you know? So um, one of the things that I did in residency was I picked up hiking and I absolutely loved it. It was a place, it was an activity where I could calm my mind. It, it, it gave me an hour away from the chaos in the hospital, uh, all the pressures and things of that nature. And that I've just constantly evolved in that realm where I'm taking time for myself. I'm taking time to calm my mind. I'm understanding that if I am in a good place mentally, then everything else is okay. And everyone else can be okay, especially the people that I interact with. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's been really, really um, powerful, especially this year mm-hmm. <laughs> when everything was just chaotic. Yes. And were you able to keep that up? You mentioned having your youngest during this time. Were you able to integrate that hour for yourself? 
Yes. Yes. In some ways, um, not, not all the time, but I, I'm lucky enough that I have my mom helping me. So she will give me some time to, to go and do my own thing. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I still do it a lot. I still try to meditate and just um, keep calm. Mm-hmm. Make sure that everything's okay. Make sure that everything's okay upstairs. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then if I can, if I can do that, then everything else seems fine. I can handle, you know, what's going on with work. I can handle all the chaos outside. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I love that you illustrate that self-healing capacity still can involve medications, right? So we often think we might be weak. You know, it might be a failure if we can't just get over these things, but of course there are times the body needs external support and right. We can put these other things in place to be supportive of that. Have you found that to be helpful in you counseling your patients who might also need to take medications chronically and have conditions that they can certainly optimize, but perhaps not completely eliminate? Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, when I talk to my patients, um, you know, I understand, let's say we're talking about depression or anxiety, for example, some people can manage it without medication and some people need medications to manage it. And it's just letting patients know that it's okay either way. Um, You know, unfortunately, there's still a huge taboo when it comes to mental health. And so, um, and I deal with a really diverse group of patients. So a lot of my patients are um, either um, African descent or Middle Eastern descent or Hispanic. Um, and in those cultures, um, mental health is just a no-no, right? Um, it's just not accepted at all. And so, you know, having, being able to tell them, hey, this is okay. And also I'm very open with my patients and I'll say, hey, I've gone through depression. I've gone through postpartum depression. Um, and it's okay, you know, it's okay to go through these points, you know, it's just chemical imbalance. It's okay to take medication if you need to. It doesn't have to be forever. I think that's what, that's the other thing. Some patients think if um, they are medication, then they're doomed forever. They need to take it. And so, yeah, I just, I just let them know that you're okay the way you are. And I think everybody should, should think that way. You're mm-hmm. unique and you're in the way you are and that's it. Like you don't have to be like somebody else. Um, your journey is not anyone else's journey. It's just your journey. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the most powerful things we can offer patients is that you are as you are, right? And that nothing has to change and it's okay. And then if they desire, we'll find ways to help them kind of walk forward. That's a really beautiful sentiment to offer. Besides hiking and getting to spend more time with your children, what have you found to help you during coronavirus times to get through and combat stress? (laughs) Um, as a millennial, I will say TikTok, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, just uh, TikTok or escaping in social media. Of course I control, I have a designated hour where I just, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm doing TikTok and now I'm trying to become part of TikTok and trying to educate on TikTok. Um, but I find it quite, um, I don't know, like a stress reliever for me, just Mm-hmm. All the comedy on there, just, I, I'm on the comedy side of it. So I laugh a lot. I see all the new talent. Um, I learn a lot, actually, believe it or not. So yeah, that's that's my one guilty pleasure. Mm-hmm. So if, yeah, if you're curious, you should. <laughs> yes, I follow it very minimally. But the people I do follow, there is so much, like you said, learning and creative ways to offer teaching. You know, So I think, again, in the medicine paradigm, we have lectures and didactics in ways that we think of. But right, a little music, a little movement, and a few key points can actually be pretty powerful. And that's also kind of the attention span with which yes. we're engaging. So might as well use while people 
are utilizing. So I'm glad to hear that you're on there. You'll inspire me. Maybe I'll start to, I'll follow you when you start putting your, <laughs> your videos up there too. Yeah. Yeah. And so how has it been for you? You mentioned, you know, growing up in Cameroon and now you're living in the Northern Virginia area. How do you marry those different cultures and climates? How has it been for you going between those? I know it's all you've ever known yourself, but as you help your patients navigate that, what an interesting perspective to bring as well. Yeah, um, I feel like growing up outside of the U.S. has been very, very um, kind of, it's been kind of amazing because I just have a different perspective than most people. Um, and I also travel a lot. I've been to about 20 countries. I have to go Aww. to all the other ones. That's my mm-hmm. life. Um, and I also studied religion in college. So when I talk to people, especially in the Northern Virginia area, that's very, very diverse. Um, I feel like I can talk to everybody. Um, I can I can understand the American experience. I can understand the immigrant experience. Um, and I can understand different cultures because I studied multiple religions when I was um, in college. So I feel like I'm unique because, you know, the cultural side of things is just so interesting to me. And when I look at someone who, when someone comes into my office, I understand multiple layers of what's going on. You know, if I have a Persian patient coming in and they want, you know, some type of treatment, I understand what's going on. I understand the cultural reasons behind what they want um, versus my Asian patient versus my African patient. Um, You know, I just understand all of that because I've lived in a different culture and I understand cultural expectations expectations, family pressures, you know, all of that. So I think Mm -hmm. that makes my uh, way of treating patients a little bit unique and different. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's been interesting. Yeah, that's an amazing perspective. Yeah, but I still, um, I still find that there's a lot I don't understand in terms of being in America. I mean, I was born in DC, but um, I grew up most of my childhood from age three to 15 in Cameroon. So there's still a lot that I don't know. Like mm-hmm. football is still a mystery to me. Because <laughs> I think it's a mystery to many people. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But what an amazing perspective to offer. And I do hope, you know, those again, potential patients and that you're making this known because that is a unique perspective to offer to be seen, you know, from a space of knowing, but also that you recognize you can't know everything and to stay curious. How do you hold space for that, you know, to open yourself to the understanding that something else might be at play for your patients if it is a culture with which you're not as familiar? I think it should, I think it's just the fact that no one can know everything. It's really that simple. And if you believe that you know everything, you're a dangerous person Mm -hmm. Um, because ignorance is terrible. So, you know, I, I, I know what I know and I share what I know. And if I don't know something, I tell my patients, I don't know this. If I don't know if there's a procedure that they want and I don't, I'm not familiar with it, I tell them I'm not familiar with it. Um, and that makes me sleep better at night, just being my authentic self. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just, it's just that simple. So mm-hmm. I think that, um, and Patients love that, you know, most of the patients that you talk to, they have this idea that when they see a physician, they're going to know everything. Um, And in some ways that might come off as arrogant. But when a physician tells you, hey, this is what I know, this is what I don't know. um, And if I don't know it, maybe I'll find out or I can refer you to somebody who can help you. um, They really appreciate that. So I think that's something that we should definitely do more of. Yes, yes, please. And I love how you say it's simple, but also not common. 
And it's really refreshing that you're speaking my love language, right? When you think you know everything, like what are, what's left, you know? So staying curious and staying open to that is so important. So thank you for bringing that to your practice. And yes, let us bring it forward throughout medicine. I love it. Well, as we're coming to a close, we've heard lots of different ways, but I'm curious what you would say is how you see yourself for the health of all things. You know, I think for me personally, and I, I, and I might be biased in saying this and for everybody, I think that being yourself, being your authentic self is the best thing that you can do for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, because when people see you being you and hopefully you are a good person, <laughs> um, then that trickles into everything and everyone that you meet and everything that you touch. And in my opinion, that's quite healing, you know? Um, and so if I can, if I can be positive and be a positive influence towards people and give that to other people and encourage them to be themselves and give that to other people, I think that's the best way to heal the world. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay. We're going to write that down and we're going to practice it. It'd be so good. Well, please do share with my listeners where they can find you, you know, geographically in Northern Virginia, but if you're online as well, so we can learn more and see how your practice continues to expand. Um, so my practice is currently in Ashburn, Virginia. Uh, my website is aesthetics.delightmd.com. And I am on TikTok, Instagram as Dr. DMD as well. And you can reach me that way. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for spending your time with me today and for sharing your story. So many inspirational moments. And I look forward to hearing how you continue to expand your practice. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of This Osteopathic Life conversations for the health of all things. Please take a moment to like, rate, and review the podcast. And if you would like to be featured as a guest or know someone you'd like to nominate as a guest for an episode, please let me know at thisosteopathiclife at gmail.com. Visit the website at thisosteopathiclife.com or visit me on Instagram and Facebook at This Osteopathic Life. Thank you so much for listening.